allow me to read the passage on which today's teaching is based, which comes from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, as Pastor Brian Park shares our, our gospel lesson for today. Matthew chapter 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is God's word. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here at Metro. And uh, for the past few months, we've been going through our sermon series on our core values here at Metro. And what do I mean by core values is we believe that, just like many churches here in the Philadelphia area, we believe that God has uniquely built a particular DNA, our spiritual values, if you will, that makes up the community um, here. And it's gonna be for the next few weeks, uh, we will be going over uh, one particular core value, which we call movement focused. Now, what do we mean by movement focused? See, just as God's kingdom is not confined to one local church, and hear me, uh, people, uh, one local church cannot address the tremendous needs of a city by itself. However, what we believe is with intimate local partnerships within the city, we believe that in this movement uh, of churches with one centralized message, it would allow this movement of grace to spread for the sake of the gospel. You know, Malcolm Gladwell in his book, The Tipping Point, he describes a tipping point as a moment when a trend turns into something special. And he says this, the tipping point is that magic moment when an idea, trend, or social behavior crosses a threshold, tips, and spreads like wildfire. And as a church, we believe that we are called to a movement ignited by the gospel. So that the gospel, it would not just trend, but it would tip over and it would spread like a wildfire through a movement of churches for the renewal of our city. So yes, this does sound like a, a big goal and, and in many ways a big dream. And what that means is, yes, it does require much. Yes, we do need intimate partnerships with surrounding churches and organizations. Yes, we need church plants that will have a desire to spread the gospel and fill it with hope. But what I believe that at the core of this movement is what we find in today's passage. See, for us to radically live out the value of being movement-focused, we must radically be shaped by what Jesus commands of us. So for our time today, as we hear God's word, I have uh, two points. The calling to God's commission, and secondly, the power for God's commission. Let's dive into our first point. What we find in the end of Matthew is known as the Great Commission. 
The Great Commission, it takes place uh, after uh, Jesus' resurrection and the eyewitnessing account of it, after being in the tomb for three days. And it's here where Jesus says to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, what is a disciple? The word disciple is, uh, is packed with meaning, uh, but first and foremost, uh, it means to put your allegiance to Jesus in your life and to follow his teaching. Simply, it means to be a follower of Christ. And the second component to that following is met, it means to be on mission, sharing your faith, loving your neighbor, word and deed. We are called to be our, on mission and this tells us of our first point. See, if you believe that Jesus uh, says who he is, then you and I were called to proclaim who Jesus is to others through word and deed. In other words, when you are converted from spiritual death to life by grace and faith alone, what naturally and supernaturally follows is to partake in God's commission of making disciples. And, you know, I know this sounds cliche, but please don't lose me here on this point because for many of us, if we are honest, if we really think about it, there's always an underlying assumption that the Great Commission is optional rather than a calling. How often have we deflected this calling to make disciples with numerous excuses over and over again? I don't know how to. I don't think it's that type of relationship. I'm not spiritually equipped. And it's this very passive thought process that not only prevents the church from being in movement, but it's simply just disobedience to what God has called of us. See, the reality is that you and I, we're very fearful people, and it often prevents us from truly walking with others and loving others as God has called us to. See, you and I, we're fearful of losing our comfort, and it prevents us from being bold in towards what God has called us to in movement. We're very fearful people, and we think about how people perceive us, and it prevents us from demonstrating and sharing faith in whatever context that God has placed you in. We're fearful of not being approved by others, and it prevents us from speaking to others in light of correction. And you know, because of this, we live not accordingly to what God has called us to, but we live accordingly to what we feel comfortable in giving him. Simply, it's faith based on our terms, which in itself is unfaithfulness. And you know, I don't know if I'm the only one, but I know it's something I need to personally repent of because I let these fears and these anxieties overcome the calling that God has placed in my life in light of discipleship making. You know, pastor and author uh, Rich Velotis in his book, The Deeply Formed Life, uh, he shares a story about uh, Thomas Merton, who is a Trappist monk and social activist. And he shares a story about his conversation with a Hindu man and the effects of Christian missionaries in parts of South Asia. And what this man uh, tells Merton 
is that Christian missionaries, they had minimal impact in the world for many reasons, but primarily because they simply weren't holy enough. Yeah, they built schools and they were extremely helpful. Yes, they built hospitals and they were really useful. But this is what um, the, the, the monk says to Merton. He says, they want to know if we have any saints to send them. See, don't get me wrong. Things like mercy, volunteering, the acts of service, these things are extremely, extremely important. In fact, in light of true discipleship, this is one of those ways to encourage discipleship. But what God calls for us as believers is to take this call uh, of discipleship seriously because our city, it needs saints. And we need saints for the sake of a movement. And when I say saint, I don't mean that you're meant to be this elite type of believer. But just as what uh, this uh, monk was saying to Merton is that what they need to see is people that will follow Jesus in faith. It's more about who you believe and who do you trust. Look at verse 17 and 18 with me. It says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said. Now what we see here is the, uh, this declaration from Christ. And this is the only time in the gospel of Matthew where Jesus' declaration is introduced not by a simple Jesus said, which was what we see in the book of Matthew. But here in Matthew 28, it is a combination of three verbs. He came to them, he spoke to them, and he said... And one commentary says that uh, when we see this uh, fulsome introductory clause, it's actually a response to the disciples' hesitation. Jesus coming to his frightened disciples was an act of reassurance. Him speaking to them and saying that to them is a restoration of the, their broken relationship. See, consider the disciples these verses share that there were doubts, there were hesitations, there was a lot of fear. But look at the grace of Jesus and what he demonstrates. It's then he approached them. Then he reminded him that all authority has been given to him. What an amazing calling. He authorized you and I to be disciple makers and it's not because of our strengths, but it's through our weaknesses. And the question I have for all of us right now is how are you responding to this very calling? Beloved, I, I know 2020 has been a tremendously difficult year. It's a year filled with much suffering, much sorrow. There is a loss of life. There's the threats of losing life. There is job loss. There are just high-end uh, feelings of depression and loneliness. And hear me out, never ever downplay it. I will always empathize with it and I'll always cover it in prayer. But what I do want to ask is that in light of it, 
How have you and I, how have we considered that this could also be a time and an opportunity for others to see God working through those weaknesses and God working through the suffering? The question is, is how have we made this an opportunity to walk with others who may be experiencing very similar things? And, you know, let's be real. Uh, you know, we will have an opportunity, you know, because 2021 is looking like 2020. And we need to seriously consider our repentance in light of what we're saying. That in, we have to consider our repentance in a way we have not honored God's time and this opportunity to disciple others because we are so consumed by our fear, we are so consumed by our contentment, and we are so consumed by our pride. See, Jesus, he has authorized you and I to make disciples, and it's not because of how spiritually strong you are, but how spiritually willing you are to submit to his authority. Saints who will intimately love Jesus and his people more. See, people aren't won over because you are theologically sound. People aren't won over because of the multiple things that you do uh, within the context of a local church. People are won over because you are faithfully enduring, because you show integrity in your work, and you seek justice in an unjust world. It's all about character over competency. And when you realize that you are in a deep need, it allows you to place your trust and authority in Jesus. And this leads us to this point of the power that we need to live according to this calling. See, here's the truth. Your desire to see lives transformed because of the gospel, it only goes as far as how your life has been transformed by the gospel. Think about this with me. What made the disciples give up their entire lives, completely dropping their livelihood for their lives to follow Jesus? What initiated the growth of the first church where thousands are being converted by just a few men? What makes ordinary people like you and I to say that I'm gonna commit myself to making disciples no matter what security I need to let go of. See, the power of movement, it only begins when there is a personal conviction that there is something so great that it must be shared no matter what the cost. And I'll tell you this much, religion doesn't do that. Roles definitely don't do that. But what would spark and ignite a movement what would spark and ignite a calling to discipleship and having others know about the goodness of Jesus is by a truth of someone that died for the sake of this world. And it's in the history of this world that we find one person that died an ultimate death so that people can have access to the greatest love that anyone ever could imagine and that anyone would hope for. It would be the love of a perfect father. But what did it take? It took a greater mission from God himself. 
The son of God, he came down and in Matthew chapter three, we see Jesus Christ also get baptized. And in this baptism, it was to identify himself as a man to begin his earthly mission, which was to live the life that we were called to live and to die the death that we were meant to die. And it's not because he shared our need, but it was to fulfill our truest need, which was God himself. And it's for in this mission of salvation to be complete, he would have to take the full wrath of God by accepting the penalty that we deserved. And it would be on the cross that the penalty we deserved because of our sin was swallowed by the blood of Christ so that you and I could be declared righteous, that you and I would be declared free, and you and I would be accepted by God the Father as his sons and daughters. And it's when we accept this truth, when we believe that God did this for us, well then, you and I can begin to do this for others confidently, boldly, and with great conviction. See, he's on the cross. Jesus lost his authority as the son of God so that you and I can boldly and confidently speak to others as he calls us. On the cross, Jesus, he went down to the depths of hell experiencing death so that we can go and make disciples. On the cross, Jesus lost his status as the sons of God so that we could make disciples of all nations, not just to the people that we're comfortable with. See, if we believe that Jesus went out on the ultimate mission field, leaving everything behind for us, well, we can now go and make disciples, leaving whatever safety, whatever security that we deeply cling on to because Christ now becomes our ultimate security and our ultimate worth. And this is the power for God's commission. The gospel reminder that he is with you always to the very end of the age. And he is always with you. You know, if you're right now and you're uncertain because of the realities that we're experiencing, he is with you. And I want to leave uh, with this note on a practicality as we consider this idea of discipleship. You know, in the Gospel of Matthew, you know, when we look at the 28 chapters of this book, pretty much from chapters 3 to 20 is all about his public ministry. It's all about these uh, uh, stories and these examples of Christ walking with his disciples and he's teaching them. But the one part I want to emphasize is that he's eating with them. He's uh, sleeping in, in the same surrounding areas. He's doing countless hours of ministry and there's countless hours of uh, traveling time. And that's what I want to highlight in light of how we're to do discipleship. And it's very simple, but let's not forget that discipleship is always within the context of relationship. Meaning, when I say consider the Great Commission, it doesn't mean, you know, just, just go out there and go into the city in a public space and share about Jesus. 
Don't just go out there and share Jesus uh, uh, to, uh, you know, coworkers that you don't rarely talk to, but simply just talk to your coworkers. You know, in light of discipleship, uh, uh, don't just uh, knock on your neighbor's door and have a, a book of John pamphlet and give it to them and ask for prayer, but begin by simply being a neighbor. See, it's important that you're creating a, a space, that you begin to create a relational context first, just as Jesus did for the sake of creating opportunities to do what Jesus commands of us and share scripture, to join in prayer, to have deep fellowship, training and teaching. And let's not forget about that part as well because that's kind of the second half of this part of making discipleship and creating disciples. You know, a lot of us, we can be really good at kind of creating the spaces, but it's actually very meaningless if you're not doing anything with that space in terms of what Jesus is calling us to do. We're called to teach, we're called to train, we're called to walk with others, love others, rebuking, admonishing, encouraging, and praying with. If I could say it this way, discipleship is rooted in your devotion to Christ and discipleship is fruitful through your commitment to discipling others. So walk with people. Let scripture uh, be the core of that relationship and do it for the sake of the gospel. And I'll close with this thought, you know, because I know for the next few weeks, we're gonna continue in this value of movement. But if you, uh, for the first time, you know, are considering to be part of this movement, maybe by simply wanting to know who Jesus is, or maybe you wanna know more about this community, I wanna invite you today you know, message us directly. Talk, if you're invited from a friend to check out this live stream, uh, talk to your friend and consider this mission because it was Christ's mission on earth that sought after you. For this mandate is for every person because this love is offered to everyone. Would you join me in prayer?